Hey, this is just a quick reminder that we have a bunch of premium content available at duckfeed.tv slash store. Check out Premium Abject Sufferings, a whole show called Adaptation Decay that you might not have heard about different ways uh, that video games have been adapted to different media. Whole bunch of stuff like that. Go to duckfeed.tv slash store and check it out. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are reading your responses uh, for the games that we covered here in September. To Quest for Glory 2. Yeah, to, to Quest for Glory 2. And one about Callahan's. No, Autour Adventure Month. Uh, turns out there was a lot of pent-up demand for us to cover a Quest for Glory game. That makes sense. Yeah. It is an interesting series. Yeah. And it's in the, uh, you know... Those those pillars of adventure games mm -hmm. that we haven't touched, long running, well loved. Pillar of the community, yeah, adventure it's, game, real stand up, yeah, real stand up, like pillars do, they stand up, yeah, and, and Rory Calhoun, office. yeah, yeah, run for office, quest for glory too. <laughs> ich bin ein quest for glory. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll go ahead and get started here, and I'll I'll start us here with just a real quick one. Uh, Frank by contact says, "Fuck scorpions." Uh, that is all. Yeah. I, I, like, I like that brevity. The scorpions suck. Yeah, all the uh, the monsters are not particularly fun to fight in that game. Yeah. Which, which we covered. The scorpions particularly are bad. Also, because they, they do a thing that I've been noticing that video games do where they introduce, like, a poison mechanic. Mm -hmm. But it's so barely used that, like, if if it happens, you're just kind of fucked. Like, yeah. you, you can very easily just bet on not dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And then, but if it does happen, that's just kind of game over. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah. a, a, a flight insurance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I could I could spend forty dollars on this. Yeah, yeah. Could roll them bones. Yeah. Um, I'll pick up with Zachary here, who says via contact, I played Quest for Glory one and two back to back as a fighter, so I was glad to hear about your experiences as a thief and a wizard. The charm of the characters and locations, the uniqueness of the setting, the million small little touches, and one majorly tedious combat system combined to make a really worthwhile experience, although I did keep a walkthrough in hand. I'm not the biggest adventure game fan, but I'm really glad I played this to listen along, and I'm surprised at how much I'm excited to play the third game. Yeah, same. Like, yeah. I would I would like to, uh, you know, at some point, once I get caught up, uh, go back to the series. Yeah. And at least get to four, because it's the, the spooky one. Yeah, that, the, yeah. The, that is the one. And a later response actually says that four is where the paladin class comes into its own as well. Okay. Um. So that sounds that sounds interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, glad, uh, glad, glad to hear it. Mm -hmm. oh, thanks, Zachary. Uh, Sam says, by contact. When I was a kid, I had a couple of friends that got me into adventure games, and the Quest for Glory series is the one that got a ton of play. I can tell you that even with the manual, when you're 10 years old, figuring out those streets is an extremely difficult task. I was very happy that WAF finally covered a Quest for Glory, and I hope you both play more of the series. Three is really cool, and four is probably my favorite. Also, by Quest for Glory 4, the Paladin class comes into its own as a unique playthrough, Especially because that one is all about evil magic and undead and stuff. 
I'm sorry. Oh, I'm more, I'm, I'm sorry. foreshadowed. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mortgaged your response, Sam. I'm sorry. Yeah. A little bit later, <laughs> yeah. uh, sneak preview, we'll have a response from Lance. Yeah. Just so okay. everybody knows what's going to happen a little bit. Br- brace yourself. Get your yeah, affairs yourself. in order. Yeah, everybody, everybody, uh, uh, flex. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but. no, you don't want to, you don't want to get Houdini'd by Lance. Um, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, no, I cannot imagine even as a kid having a patience for those streets. That's, uh, that's when I'd played it, um, or played the first one. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the streets, but when I'd played these kind of games in, in general in their counterintuitive way. Yeah, yeah. Because it is, you know, I had mostly played console games. I'd played a little bit of PC stuff, but this was a little bit esoteric even for PC just because of the, the hybridization. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, you know, I I say I wouldn't have the patience, but then again, like I yeah, went over, <laughs> I went over to my uh, to my friend's house who had an Amiga. One of my favorite things to play on there was fucking Police Quest One. So, oh yeah, maybe I would yeah. have actually. <laughs> I think that's one of those long running adventure game series that I'd be okay missing. Like yeah. those are really strange. And mm-hmm. the did you read? Um, I think like last year or maybe a little bit before that, that oral history of, of that series that came out, that was really good. Um, no, I didn't. The most that I've read about them is, uh, in the Kurt Collada book. Hmm. They're like, they're made by, you know, an actual pretty controversial LAPD character. It was like the, the main driving force behind them. Mm-hmm. And somebody wrote like a really great long form read that I'll put in the show notes about, okay. um, about that, that series Yeah, I'd be and interested. everything. And it, it's like mildly gross, but also just, procedural in a way that's not that interesting to me mm-hmm. you know um I, I bet you we can miss those oh absolutely and i would never suggest that we do those ahead of something like i don't know space quest four yeah you know? yeah like if we do any any of the quests i and i also like i'll miss king's quest just fine too yeah, <laughs> like as far yeah. as the, the quest we'll do we'll do this and uh space quest and that'll be our quest suffix yes things. yeah it, and, and, and no, no no quests club yeah no no mystic quest <laughs> no, no, anything else. No, no, no checks quest. Sorry. It hurts me as much as it hurts you, but it's, yeah. it's just going to have to be, we get two quests and we're going to do them that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. This is, I, I think, um, not to spoil it, but a little bit later in the, the response thing, we have a response from Zoe. Ooh, okay, cool. Um, uh, Zoe says by contact. The, um, <laughs> um, no, or, Lance. Or Lance. Oh, Lance. we haven't done the Lance one. I got, I got ahead on that joke. <laughs> um, Lance says via contact, love the adventure game theme for this month. It's my favorite genre. There are two newer games you should keep an eye on that pay homage to old school adventure titles, specifically Quest for Glory. Quest for Infamy, which is pretty much a polished Quest for Glory title, but you play as a roguish jerk, and Hero U, Rogue Redemption, which is billed as a spiritual successor to the Quest for Glory franchise. Keep covering classic adventure games, and I'll be a fan for life. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I think that it's actually um, Hero U, Rogue 2 Redemption. Mm, Rogue 2. So, yeah, it's got the the pun title. I was not um, familiar with the the other one, uh, Quest for Infamy, but... Uh, Hero you, I watched, there's a, um, for people, this, you know, Lance probably already knows about this person, but there's a YouTuber lady named Pushing Up Roses mm-hmm. that does a lot of really great adventure game reviews and retrospectives and such. And uh, she did a video on Hero you that I watched. Um, and it looks really neat, even though it doesn't have the kind of class hook to it. Okay. Like you, you have to play as a thief, which I thought was a little bit weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I'm, I'm really kind of curious about that. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, it looks like it it makes the you know the combat parts or the parts that are a little bit less integrated into the Quest for Glory games are more seamlessly integrated. Yeah. In Hero U. Which is cool. And that's been on my radar, but I will take definitely take a look at Quest for Infamy, which I've not heard of. Yeah. Before. No. Yeah. I was on um, even though that one you play a roguish jerk as well. Like I wonder if you can choose classes in that, because 
doing a, a spiritual successor to Quest for Glory that doesn't have that hook is a little bit strange to me. Yeah, it seems to be yeah. uh, a little bit like it's uh, you know missing a missing an important point. Yeah, yeah. Um, for everybody who's been waiting patiently, uh, here is a response from Zoe, my contact. Uh, <laughs> this joke doesn't extend beyond this episode, Gary. <laughs> who, who, can, who can control a joke? Um, hey, Gary and Cole. I've never written before, but your Quest for Glory 2 got me to take the plunge. And uh, because it's one of the few games you guys talk about, I really feel like I know like the back of my hand. As such, I wonder if Cole's inability to do the Thief balance beam might have been tied to the game speed. I've never played the VGA fan remake of the game, so I don't know if it keeps the Sierra standard sliders, but I remember specifically that Test of Dexterity were bound to the game's speed slider, sort of like if you play XCOM on a modern PC, the five seconds setting advances uh, the clock at warp speed, such that they were absolutely impossible on the fastest speed and just impossibly dull on the slowest. Take heart, Cole. Your fast fibers might still have some life in them yet. And there's a little uh, cheerful emoticon. Uh, P.S. Playing this game as a clueless kid and not understanding a single one of the cultural references was hilarious. And asking my mom what the Maltese Falcon was got me in a lot less trouble, ultimately, than the time I tried to circumvent the Leisure Suit Larry age gates by casually asking what number President Nixon was at the dinner table so I could see a cartoon boob. (laughs) I loved that Leisure Suit Larry uh, age gating because even as a precocious, uh, let's say, 10-year-old, I still knew a bunch of the cultural stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Man, like is, these are the Larry games. Like the the that would be an interesting thing to do, even though they're grotesquely horny mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like I remember playing a lot of the first one uh, on straight up like CGA graphics. Oh, same. You know, th- yeah, this weird you know planet of light blue people, like the sci- <laughs> planet of the Scions. Yep. You know, it sounds way cooler, but if it's C Y A N, it's significantly less cool. Uh, and then just like you know, remembering like. Oh, the main thing that we, the reason why we died is because we didn't wear a condom before we had sex with a prostitute and then died from an STD. Yep. That's <laughs> fucked up. It's very Strange. fucked up. Yeah. If we did cover a Leisure Suit Larry game, it would absolutely not be the first one because that's just a graphical oh, no. adaptation of uh, a soft porn adventure, right? Well, and it's not very good. Also, yeah. It just it, it was before it developed of... the voice. Yeah, yeah. It, it was not funny. Yeah. Either like, um, Al Lowe has to go down in that, like, the world, like, world series of, you know, perverts with, um, Ralph Bakshi. Yes. Yeah. Um, the uh, the one I played the most was like at a resort. Yep, that's so, the one. Yeah, I yeah. That, I think I think that 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 is a well regarded one. I think that's through three or four, maybe. I forget, uh, yeah, I I forget which four. one doesn't exist. Like either Leisure Suit Larry yeah. three or four does not exist. It, it's a lot of quests in that involved getting towels. Yes. Like trying to steal towels from a towel boy. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, the the uh, play speed thing, I didn't I didn't think about that. You have to in the first one, I had to turn that down to do the action sequence at the end. Okay. So. Um. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um. Because in my head, I think okay, play speed. That's more of a DOS box thing, and the VGA, um, adaptation ran so fine otherwise mm-hmm. that I did. I just did. I, that that didn't factor in. So hey, maybe my shitty body isn't as shitty as I thought. Possibly, but no, it's, it's still pretty shitty. Yeah, it's just shitty in other ways. <laughs> no. um, James writes via contact um, as a day one quest for glory series fan that labored to play the EGA hero quest on my friend's mouseless Tandy 1000 in 1990. No hard drive and only one floppy drive meant lots of disk swapping. It warms my heart to hear so much praise heaped on quest for glory too. It is my favorite Sierra game. Police quest two is number two. The thief was always my go-to class, uh, leading to countless days of climbing that one tree, resting, tossing knives at the target behind town, and then sleeping. 
I eventually imported my character into both two and three. Beyond the novelty of the setting, my memory, my memories of three are fuzzy, but I remember covering uh, part two's feely map with cramped notes to keep everything straight. Uh, the middle stretch of the game where you undo the elementals stands out as some of, excuse me, as some of the most satisfying puzzle solving in, uh, in gaming to my mind. And yes, the punch out like combat always felt clunky, but we put in the time to master it, eventually finishing the first game with all three classes. Learning the tells of each enemy type was still too costly, however. Nothing feels better than taking out waves of bandits and sauruses with just a puny thief knife. P.S. Two of the dad jokes that you guys puzzled over. Fuller's Earth is a goof on Fuller's Earth, a beauty product, basically dirt for your face. And Roger the Saurus is a goof on Roger's Thesaurus, a standard desk reference book. It's ha-ha funny, I tells ya. Yeah, um, with with no shade cast at anyone, um, lots of people told me that. Yes. It was uh, one of those <laughs> things where you, where you make a mistake and then you hear, you know, a little bit of an office fakes thing. You know, oh, yeah, like, yeah. They, you yeah. didn't file your TPS reports. <laughs> yeah, I didn't file my TPS reports. I heard from, like, probably no exaggeration, 12 different people mm -hmm. about that Roger's thesaurus thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, again, no shade to any individual person who did that. Just, <laughs> no, you know, no. I, like, if I, I didn't respond, it's because I know. I yeah, know. And, and, and people don't do searches to see if they're the first one or not, and they want to, you know, make sure, because I, I remember at least feeling a little bit like, what the fuck about it? Um, mm -hmm. I'll take responsibility. And also I can't feel too terribly bad about it because that is absolutely, absolutely one of those things where it was so big and so obvious that like missing it was uh, like highly probable. Well, yeah. it, it's very obvious, but also, um, I was, what, when I was thinking back why I missed that joke, I was thinking about how long it's actually been, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly old. I definitely used actual standard reference desk, uh, desk books, but mm -hmm. even in high school, I remember using the internet for a thesaurus. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I did, uh, you know, as, even though I, my early papers were written on a typewriter that was kind of pre thesaurus mm -hmm. by the time I had need of a thesaurus, I would, would write on a computer at school yeah. and it was just, you know, they were hooked up to the internet so I could just look it up. Yeah. Like you could like right click a word and just do find synonym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, not quite there, but I could yeah. go to thesaurus.com or probably like roger.com, mm -hmm. uh, and, and just, uh, just find a thing. So it's just been, you know, it's, it's an interesting idea that some of these reference books like that are, you know, they're, they're like, we didn't understand it and we're of a good age to understand it. Like yeah. people that younger than us. Oh, no, 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 no like, chance. No chance. Yeah. yeah. You know, they had to rename it to like the thesaurus.com. Yeah. Thesaurus. If, <laughs> <and then. laughs> if I wanted to play this off legit and be a total tool, that would be, I never needed a thesaurus. I always had the synonyms in my head all along. No, there, there you go. Yeah. Nancy, that would be terrible. You're, you're wouldn't a it? walking reference book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awful. God awful. Hey, mm -hmm. Gary, what's JC yeah. say? Uh, JC says, coming a little bit later, a response from Julia. Um, <laughs> that's the last time. I, it wasn't as good as okay. time. Um, JC says, uh, a bomb. Uh, <laughs> Quest for Glory 2 is a childhood favorite of mine. I didn't have access to a lot of games growing up, but my parents were Sierra fans and picked up the collected editions of King's Quest and Quest for Glory. I was hooked on Quest for Glory, the multiple puzzle solutions, the funny writing, and the RPG elements. I spent so many hours taking a character through the series. However, the original Quest for Glory 2 was always a bit of a chore. The beginning with mapping out the maze is so tedious. While the game does get stronger later on, I hated having to grind through the opening maze again and again. Luckily, the VGA remake came out and fixed most of the problems with the opening sections. So replaying the series is a blast from start to finish. Well, mostly, Quest for Glory 5 is weird. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, that comports. 
Yeah. Um, I went back in and tried to mess around with the um, VGA version, or sorry, EGA version of Quest for Glory 2 after we, re we recorded that. And yeah, that VGA version is a fucking gift. Yeah, just doing the maze is the, the main yeah. thing. Like, I do not do not care for that. And we talked about that a lot in the episode. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I picked up on this response that I like is that the idea that uh, adventure games specifically were kind of a, a genre for adults mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, and that's my experience. I've like, talked about my PC uncle. That's how I played um, like Gateway and I played uh, Kyrandia and Companions of Xanth and a bunch of old adventure games mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, people who were in their 30s at the time were like way into it. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, because they because they were like uh they were like you know they were literary and shit yeah yeah you know it, it's it's a uh, it's interesting you know nobody really talks about that but i wonder if that is could possibly be a missing piece of the puzzle as to why they you know adventure games kind of went on the down low oh just because people you know somebody who was born in like 1970 by the time you know gabriel night three would have come around was like 40 and not playing games anymore yeah like yeah. The, the the demographic yeah. aged out of it and the younger demographic didn't really age into it yeah you know yeah, there wasn't really there wasn't really a bridge, uh, except for yeah. we, except for weirdos like me who you know sought out Mist oh, and read the books. Yeah, ton, yeah. tons of exceptions. But yeah. Just, oh, yeah. The, you know, just the idea that it was always kind of you know it wasn't like a kid game. Oh, absolutely. Kind of thing, yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember absolutely uh, back when I was very very young, probably roughly around the time this this game was coming out. There were reading games, and there were all the other games that I could play at that time because I was yeah. not, and I I desperately wanted to play the reading games. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I've talked about before how that, how superior I felt enjoying RPGs at the time. Oh, yeah. Which was a, a dumb idea. Like, I thought, like, <laughs> because I, this doesn't require reflexes, it is smarter. Yes. And it would be about something like Dragon Quest, which is, like, I have affection for the original Dragon Quest. It's not a smarter game. No. It's, it's a mountain. You know, it's 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 a mountain, and you just put in the time, and you win it. Yeah. Or, you know, rem not... Remember the time when I went to – remember the time I told you about the going talking to my fourth grade teacher saying, I've been very responsible over the summer. I've been playing Final Fantasy 2, which is a responsibility game. You have to, yeah. make, you have to make sure your characters don't die. Yeah, yeah. Like I was taking you're, you're care of goddamn all. pets. Yeah. 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 You're, 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 you're playing Sim Cecil. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping that little guy uh, fed and clean up after all his pelt and shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, holy shit. Um. Uh, let's see here. Julia writes via contact. Uh, thank you very much, JC. Uh, Julia says, thank you for your Quest for Glory 2 episode. One of the few games my family uh, had was the Quest for Glory 1 through 4 collection. All my dad's other games were FPS and RTS, so a charming adventure story was very appealing. I played through Quest for Glory 1 multiple times and bounced off the later entries, especially Quest for Glory 2. It was crazy listening to your episode and realizing just how much of the basic mechanics my kid brain missed. Rhythm of different days, staying in the main city, etc. Also, I had to write in. You made me remember that one of my childhood homes had something 70% of the way to mega bathroom. Whoa! The remaining 30% would be gross. It was a small <laughs> balcony with a neck-high wall that was later converted to a shower. The walls and floor were covered with slate and lined with troughs of potted plants. Easily one of my top five favorite childhood memories was showering off salt water there when we came back from the beach. Thanks for the laughs and the memories. What a lucky kid. I know, right? I was like a C minus mega bathroom. Oh, man. Like, right now, my bathroom is probably like a B minus, you know, micro bathroom, like <laughs> standard 
you know, standard bathroom. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's, got, it's, it's got all the right parts, but. Uh. Yeah. It has everything it needs. It's a little bit small. Yeah. You know, but just being, I would, I would take, a, I would rather rule in, in hell than serve in heaven when it comes to bathrooms of mega or micro yeah. quality. You know, I suppose. The, um, you know, it's yeah. just, it's just one of those things. When considering the topic of mega bathrooms, you have to remind yourself that life is about compromise. Yeah, yeah. and th- this is not the compromise I would choose if I, if I had my druthers. <laughs> right, right. Like if I was designing my house like a sim, you know, a sim. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be it'd be a the, pillar with a phone and then just one big drain and anything and anything and, goes around it and a horse. Yep. The, uh, <laughs> yep. Well, how else are you going to get around? Go on. Yeah, exactly. Get around my my infinite house because if you just have that pillar, it contextualizes everything outside the pillar as your house. Okay. When you own the world, you're always home. Yeah. <laughs> Rex Rex Monday. Um, <laughs> moving on to uh, comments from uh, about Callahan's Cross Time Saloon. Nick says by contact. I'm writing in about Callahan's because I picked it uh, as this week's game and wanted to share a little perspective. I've never met a single person who's played it, and as much as I'd love someone else to write in about it, I have little faith that anyone will. Good good instincts. Um, <laughs> I first played over a decade ago. It was during a time in my game playing where something simply being an adventure game was enough to make me want to try it. That sickness has waned, fortunately. I know nothing about this. Uh, I knew nothing about this before I actually played it. I acquired it as one of many indiscriminate hauls of games from eBay and game trading sites. From the outside of that initial play, it hit me as being incredibly special. The way, when I was little, how certain cartoons were diverting, but one or two had this extra gloss of that same special quality to them because they were actually funny, not just some adult's idea of what a child thought was supposed to be funny. And that first play stuck with me as something special and vaguely unreal, a favorite of mine. Pretty remarkable for a joke-checking simulator with some puzzles attached. (laughs) After years of loving this in solitude, it feels great to be able to share it. Here are some disjointed thoughts. There's a weird way that parts of the game feel like Mystery Science Theater 3000, as if art, the art was made first, and the lines were written to make fun of or recontextualize it, creating a strange metal-like remove that's extremely strange to the experience. In replaying it, uh, for this, I was struck by the ways it reminds me of Planescape Torment, with the humor-to-serious ratio flipped, partly in the way the text is used expressively and the wide conceptual ground covered by the text, but also how key elements of the vignettes, or vignettes uh, add coherence and resonance to the end. Josh, the writer, states in an interview that he wrote this during the darkest depression of his life. Knowing that there is an intense pain going on behind all the funny and brilliant lines adds to the overall picture of the game. What makes this game stay with me and seem revelatory is that the jokes are not merely an indulgence. It starts out seeming like they are, but in the end, the tone becomes justified and necessary. In asserting that humor is is a rare and precious thing that allows us to cope with pain, depression, and loneliness, it allows the player to look back on what happened and project a rich subtext onto all the jokery. Also appreciated is that whenever a character has a problem, the jokes stop and the problems are treated with earnestness and clarity. The scene where Jake tells the doctor about his wife is still amazingly powerful. I have thought I have gone through it a few times now, and I expect that knowing it will weaken it, or that I'm older and less tugged at by the fumbling attempts at video games video game pathos. But there I was again, tears and eyes, because that whole sequence still contains something true. I hope your show causes others to play the game. It's due for an elevation from obscurity's lowest depths. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, really well said. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the bit about how, you know, we I don't think we, we talked about this in the episode, but it's definitely something I appreciate is how the jokes do stop mm-hmm. when anyone's hurting. Yeah. You know, that's and in the transition from this just being funny to being about being funny mm-hmm. is really, really well done. Yeah. You know, um, the other thing I think I brought this up in the episode, but something I've said about uh, West of Loathing before again um, is that. The other thing it reminds me of with Torment is not just that uh, it had, covers this broad subject, but it has that economy of why wouldn't you do something 
and it they just place funny instead of interesting. Mm-hmm. So in, in Torment, you know, every named NPC is pretty interesting. Yes. You know, like there, there's something to them. It's a cool hook. Like this guy is trying to bring trees back by getting enough people to believe them. This person, you know, is scared to walk through doors because anything can be a door mm-hmm. uh, in this world. Like everyone is interesting in yeah. that game. And this just does the same thing with jokes. Yeah. And that's, a, that's the thing I, you know, one of the things I really loved about West of Loathing as well mm-hmm. is it's like, if you can make a joke, why wouldn't you make a joke? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, why does a, why does a NPC in a video game ever just say like, I heard the king lives in the castle. <laughs> right. Why would you ever put in text that is that shitty? Yeah. You know, you know, be, 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 because nothing, nothing is ever just inert, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you might think that you're doing something that, uh, you know, is is inoffensive that you know that 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 is there just to be a vehicle for information. But things that are inert are actually detr- you know detractive, yes. right? Everything that isn't additive is subtractive, right? Like in yeah. you know in a game, like quite quite literally, and that cannot that doesn't always have to be like the death knell no. of a game. But everything in a you know because you you can have enough good things to make up for that very yeah. easily. But everything yeah. that isn't good is taking the place of something that could be good. Yes. And, you know, you are always asking the player, you're always asking whoever is consuming this to pay for this thing, not just with money, but with their time, yep. <laughs> you know, time so, and attention and, and more, more than just time and attention, like something, um, I can't remember the exact game. This was a really good example of, but we've done a game on the show where this was when I first realized that, uh, how games train you to, to do, uh, to, to care about things. So like, mm-hmm. you know, if the NPCs. uh, I've been, like, I know it is true of Child of Light. That might not have been the first time it came up, but mm-hmm. you do a game where you run into random NPCs and they say the king is in the castle. You know, enough times that happens where you get no return on that investment, no matter how much that investment is. You stop. Yeah, you go and numb. you might miss the good things, but you just are like, okay, this game is training me that I'm not going to get anything from talking to people. Yeah, you know, you know? I need to, I, <laughs> like, you're, whether you realize it or not, you go in, you know, kind of learning to believe what the game tells you it is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and if the game is telling you that it's like this is this is full of vapid people. Yeah. You know, who have nothing interesting or funny or relevant to say, uh, that is extremely harmful. Yeah. You know, there's not just a huge opportunity cost, but it means that you're going to, you know, the interesting people, like the 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 interesting lines, the cool quests and stuff are just not going to get found. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking, I mean, I think that was a, a problem I had with Nier as well, like talking to people in town, like Randos in town. Oh yeah. So I, I talked about that too, where I was just like, I just didn't want to talk to Randos because it was just not interesting enough. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes what, it was. What, but, what? Why would I keep pressing that bar if no pellets ever came out? Yeah. You know, that like that yep. that would be insane. <laughs> as a gamer, I demand treats, and if I, I'm not going <laughs> to keep pushing a, a bar with no treats. I, I didn't mean to make that argument, but I kind of did. No, I mean it's a it's a good argument, man. Like, yeah. You have to you have to you have to give treats, and in this case, treats are rich. Like the treats uh-huh. are are art. Yeah, the the, the, know, the, the treats are nutrient. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I need art for my art. Yep, and, and you, you know, know, like and, sp- and specifically with Callahan, we you know, we 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 dedicated a lot of time in that episode to praising the game's humanity. Like mm-hmm. there is so much of this; it is so dense, but it is so nutritionally rich with 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 stuff that just resonates with my values so highly. Yeah. Yep. And if you, and if you don't do that, if you don't uh, make you know those those little those little bits of, of content, it's like an art gallery that's mostly hallways. Yeah, you know, and it's, at some point it's just like I'm going to leave. <laughs> like there's there's no art here, you know. I, I just have to walk to get to the next little bit of art. Like it's exhausting. Yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah. Man, I love that oh. game. Callahan's yeah, is so yeah, good. Yeah. It's it's really really good. <laughs> yeah. I haven't like a couple of people asked me about 
the books and I'm curious about them, but I, I just don't have time. I'm like behind. I don't have time for yeah, my schedule yeah. right now. And I, I do, I really do feel like I am curious about them, but I feel like it's not going to have quite the same impact. I do think that like being a game was really additive. So I, I've, so I, I have been reading, re- reading the first book a little bit. Most of my physical books are packed up because I'm in the mm-hmm. process of moving, but I have my Kindle out and I have uh, the first compilation on there and it does uh, exhibit a lot of the same stuff that I really like about the game. The same warmth, yeah. you know, it, lo- it loses the interactiveness, you know, of like mm. walking into somebody's world and kind of just kind of grazing as you want um, mm. on the jokes and such. But, um, yeah, the, the the heart is there. And that is, the, the, that is ultimately the highest value for me. For sure. Yeah. Um, what does Joshua say? Yeah. So this is some follow up uh, from the near episodes. Joshua says via contact. I've just been listening to near part two, uh, and I heard your rather long rant about the towers of Hanoi puzzle that keeps coming up in games. I know this doesn't have anything to do with the game itself, but I would like to relay a wonderful game, which does it correctly. The rather text-based game sunless sea has a path where you can explore a cave with a towers of Hanoi puzzle in it. The catch This one has 15 discs, leading to 32,767 moves required to solve it. According to the wiki, if one clicks the button that many times, nothing happens, and the puzzles can just be reset. The real solution? Trade a newspaper for some dynamite and blow the door down. That's pretty great. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, like a a meta meta version of that. Yep. I like that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I I like Sunless Sea a lot. People Mm -hmm. have brought that up as an idea for, for the show before, and I think that would be a really interesting game to do yeah for this because it's it's perpetual like mm-hmm. we wouldn't get to the end of it I no no and, and, and it, it would almost so have rich. to be a book report yeah 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 we just both talk about our experiences and mm-hmm. you know in the time frame allowed for the show we don't you know that's that's a lot of time that game is designed to be something you just play for for quite a long time yeah but it is very rich mm-hmm. that's been something that's been on my list to like go back and seriously revisit ever since we did it for a uh, comrade yeah, so, I, I, I've not I've not played a substantial amount of it, but the bits that I have played make me think, yeah, this is really, really up my alley in a way mm. that makes me want to dedicate proper time and attention to it that yeah. I just have never felt in a position to, to do. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Even though the, the perpetualness of it is what stops me from doing so. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just that this, this idea that it's just going to be a huge time suck. Mm-hmm. Like just something you log on and do. Yeah. For a while and it not being on portable like, i think that's still true and it would be great on, on phones or <sighs> so or it's it's on it's on ipad i don't know if it is universal though i don't know if it uh if you can play it, it on your phone it wasn't at the time it came out because i've definitely investigated that okay or at the time that at the time we covered it for comrade it wasn't which was years ago so maybe it doesn't matter yeah but it wasn't then because i definitely looked mm-hmm. um but yeah um thanks everybody thank you for your for your responses um we are uh if you have responses for what we're going to do for October, which we'll talk about, uh, you yeah. can hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yes. The deadline for each month's games is the 15th of that month. Um, yes. That said, you know, nobody wrote in about Gabriel Knight 3 this time, and I was looking forward to some uh, some some crunchy vampire and Jesus Christ related stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you send in something late and we're looking for uh, something to fill in, uh, feel free. Just because you missed a deadline doesn't mean that uh, it will be going to the void. Uh, every, yes. every, all, all comers are considered. Yes. Uh, even though, you know, we don't want you to miss the deadline too often because we need to have things to talk about. Uh, yes. This episode. So just know that if, if it's something that was underserved or if you just have something like you think is really good, mm-hmm. feel free to bring it in. Yeah. It in. Yeah. Um, what are those October games, Cole? 
Well, Gary, uh, this October, we are doing kind of an indie-focused um, horror month, obviously, October, uh, the best month of the year, objectively. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the first game we are doing is the winner, um, the Tide winner of our uh, Indie Horror Games Bowl, uh, Penumbra Overture, game by Frictional, the studio that is more well-known for the Amnesia series and for Soma. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is kind of something that, uh, where they, where they started out and you can see a lot of the DNA for that. So Penumbra... yeah, it's a, it's a very confident debut. Oh yeah. <laughs> like th- this was, this was a really, really lauded, uh, kind of indie, you know, this was a very early indie horror game. Mm-hmm. And I remember even before I played, I played this quite a while ago. I'm just hearing about it. Oh yeah. Constantly. No, you know, it, and it, it's extremely confident. It, it, it is of that stripe of indie games, specifically from the late two thousands where like the, it was very obviously tech forward. Like the thing yes. that a lot of people were talking about was, hey, look at this, look at this physics-based first-person game. You know, when that wasn't necessarily incredibly common outside of huge studios like Valve. Um, yeah. But it turns out that that tech is attached to uh, a remarkably good and like weirdly funny uh, mm-hmm. kind of kind of, kind of scaffolding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like weird, we you know weird, weird and funny and also like genuinely spooky. Yes. You know, it uses the limitations of uh, of that engine and technical limitations really well. Um, you know, the the uh, the kind of low detail uh, textures and the draw distance that's not great. Like it, it feels very efficiently done mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, just in case, because uh, somebody asked about it, um, this doesn't preclude us from doing later games in the series. Right. If uh, you know, at some point, just so we might do those. Yeah. If if the uh, if the urge strikes us. Black plague, um, black plague, and such. Yes. Yeah. Black black plague, plague, and uh, requiem. Requiem, yeah. One of which, I, I can't remember exactly which one it is, but one of them I didn't like nearly as much. Black Plague is the black sheep. Okay, yeah. The um, yeah, I think that that's the, the, the correct one. Um, which, if I remember, like has better puzzles, but I don't like the companion character. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one where you have this, like, horny uncle in your head. <laughs> the whole time, like, he's like, yeah, you think you're going to do... Like, he has a real, like, scratchy mobster voice. <laughs> and just imagine being scared while a mobster is whispering in your ear. And, like, he's making... Like, he's swearing and using double entendres and, and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. It's very strange. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time since I played it, so I might be misremembering some of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, after that, we're going to be doing... Uh, first for the show, we're doing a micro horror suite. We're doing a bunch of very short... Uh, horror games probably yeah. four when i was thinking about that like four talk about them for a half hour a piece sounds about right to me so yeah a kitty horror show game or two um i'm scared my daddy's long long legs stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah and and uh lost consolation which leads us in the third game we're doing which is night in the woods which mm-hmm. is a horror adventure anti-capitalist game kind of hybrid came out last year mm-hmm. uh with art by scott benson a friend of the show yeah um bonfire side chat alum and yeah, has a really unique voice. I've started that. I haven't gotten that far into it because uh, of my recent injury. I didn't have the attention span for it, weirdly enough. Like I was yeah. too restless and shifty mm-hmm. to do a reading game, as we we called them earlier. Yes. So, um, but that is something I'm, I'm looking forward to really digging into. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're ready to talk about what's coming out in November as well. Yeah. Yep. November. Uh, which So we're finally doing... Uh, we haven't actually talked about the order of these. Um, um, yeah, we have. Uh, we we, okay. we want to do uh, the Witcher, the the Witcher three blood, blood wine first. Or, yeah, we want to do that first because we want to put some space between right. that and the Winter WRPG. Correct. So we're starting with a two parter on Blood and Wine. Yeah. The uh, the final Witcher DLC. Um, you know, it's it was, it was a choice between doing like that that game that DLC is such a rich expansion. Mm-hmm. It's much longer than Hearts of Stone. Yes. Um, doing that in one episode would be like a four and a half hour episode. And, yeah, no, um, we don't want to do that. So we want to we want to give it its space. Yes, because uh, there's a lot of really interesting side quests and side content 
uh, and it is such a good send off to a character that we both really love. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a two parter on Blood and Wine. Um, sorry to everyone who you know we talked about. We we're going to definitely do that in 2018. I think some people expected it sooner. Um, yeah. Just the the timing and the themes for months and things. This is the the soonest we can get it in. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then after that, we are doing a patron dictated episode. Our friend Allison uh, has mm-hmm. asked us to play Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Yes. Yeah. Which is also a game that a lot of people have asked us to do. Yep. Uh, and I am um, super jazzed about playing that. Me too. Um, you know, play on headphones is the advice that I get. I've um, been a lot of talk about that game. I'm really, really curious. Mm-hmm. This, uh, uh, I no. want a game that lies to me. Yeah, me too. Um. Yeah, so that's uh, that's November. Um, we have our uh, W, our winter WRPG in the pocket. Um, we'll announce that during you know during the next appendix episode in mm-hmm. October. Um, real quick, this is probably about the time to start saying uh, this. Uh, come to Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Please do. Um, we are going to be doing a live show about mm-hmm. Super Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah, and it's kind of got a theme show. We're going to do it. You know, neither of us are fighting game mavens as you may or may not know. Um, so we're kind of doing a, we have an angle on it, which is essentially how to, or how we enjoy Smash Brothers games uh, as a single player. Yes. Um, what are these games like as just playing by yourself? What kind of experience do they offer? Is there, can you squeeze fun out of that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as such, you know, we have, we usually have a booth uh, kind of thing where we have people come and participate in the booth. We're going to try to get as many trophies as we can. Yes. From that. So have people play against each other, have people play against the computer, do, uh, you know, subspace emissary, Stuff like uh, that. That's in Brawl. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Shit. Um, I, I got confused. But have people play the single player mode and just try to get as much stuff mm-hmm. as they can. Um, yeah. So that's going to be there. Um, as always, we have a, uh, a meetup on that. The details of where are not uh, not quite there, but we are going to do that on Saturday. Yes. So uh, that way, you know, the most people are there. Um, we're probably going to combine that with with our, our podcasting friends, um, you know, with, with Retronauts. Uh, you know, so Bob Mackey and Jeremy. Uh, Retronauts, Talking Simpsons, that kind of thing. We'll be there as well. Yep. Um, you know, so come out to that meetup. Please do. We would love to see you. Um, this is going to be, I believe, our sixth year there. If not sixth, then seventh. Um, it's our seventh. We were there the first year, but we didn't uh, We didn't have a show. Yes. We just okay. had a booth. That always throws me off. Yeah. Seven years yep. of doing this show and watching it grow and seeing people again and again or meeting them for, meeting them for the first time. It is really a, a highlight of my year. Uh, yep. Do not be intimidated. Do, do not be afraid. Come up talk to us maybe you'll even get a hug i make no promises but it might happen i do make a promise <laughs> that cole will hug you. Um, <laughs> it is on so it's it's saturday october 20th and 21st uh-huh. that sunday of the days um also for people who like the network um some other people from the network are going to be there at the very least confirmed um so is uh, jeremy greer mm-hmm. so for fans of radio free midworld and days of future cast uh, or jeremy's you know jeremy's shows yeah. uh you know don't give up skeleton uh or monster of the week uh jeremy will be there so he'll probably be hanging out and you'll be able to say hi to Jeremy. It's going to be a really good year. Um, I think this is going to be kind of a banner year for, for PRG. I think so. Yeah. Um, so we'd love to see you. Uh, so if you're in the Pacific Northwest, please come out. If you're not in the Pacific Northwest, uh, come, you know, consider visiting Portland Yeah. For, for a weekend. It's a really nice city and I guarantee you will have fun. Yeah. Even if you don't want to be stuck in a big uh, convention hall crowded uh, with a bunch of people for that entire time obviously there's very cool stuff to see in there portland is a beautiful city especially around that time of year if it is not mm-hmm. pissing rain and cold like it was it last be, year which which is beautiful yes. i was thinking about it uh, i was talking to somebody and i was like i would like to design a year and if i had to choose i would do three falls in a winter uh-huh that's what i want yeah like i would, I would give up i would give up summer and spring in a heartbeat i mean except oh. for you know the the we'd all die 
from, <laughs> from not getting enough air you yeah. know, because of plants. But if, if it wasn't for that, if it was a totally a simulated environment, uh-huh. free falls in a winter would be really, really great. Yeah, yeah. So, and you can experience one of one of uh, the most auto- autumnal falls that exist yeah. in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, the, 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 this, this is in the Fall Hall of Fame. Yes, yep, yes. the Fall of Fame. <laughs> the, um, yeah, so you can even just come go to restaurants and arcades and, and you know, check out this beautiful city and just come hang out with us at meetups and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so just being there would also be fun. And like I said, it is efficient because uh, our, our Retronauts friends, at least some portion of them will be there. I don't know the exact capacity yet. I don't want to speak for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, it will be efficient if you're a fan of video games or podcasts about old video games. Yeah. So. so we'd love to see you again. October 20th and 21st are the dates of the show. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, come out and see us. Yeah. Um, and probably uh, typically we go on on Sunday. Uh, actually, we've got this here. Uh, they just put up the schedule. Mm. Um, they usually do that or there is a schedule up. Um, so we are actually, um, oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so we are on Saturday. We're on Saturday evening. Okay. Um, so we're on Saturday evening at 730. Okay. That's similar to what we did last year too. So. Yep. After the show. Yeah. You can come, you can spend, uh, spend your time at the show. Um, you know, get off, come watch us do our, do our thing. So, yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, if you can only make it for one day, auditorium C 730, that's us. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, uh, we're only able to, to do those live shows because of your support on patreon.com uh, slash duck TV is the, the specific place to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Everybody who was given there and pledged there uh, uh, makes a big difference for us. Yeah, absolutely. So if you, if you go to patreon.com slash duck TV again, um, any amount is very helpful. Um, we really do appreciate all the support. Yeah. So um, you can also rate and review the show, uh, talk about us online, um, go to duckfeed.tv slash store, listen to the other shows, all things you can do to help. Yeah. Um, we're so looking forward to the rest of this year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we meant, we mentioned that WRPG, uh, it is something that I am quite just about as well. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff coming up. Yeah. Uh, Duck stream coming have, up. Yep. Duck stream. Yep. We'll, we'll start planning that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of start good into 2018 as well. So, um, yeah. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, and until next time, uh, good night. Good night. <laughs>